0: Come
1: together right now. Everybody, come together. Come together right now. Everybody.
2: If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the latest episode of the Just Not Sports Podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, Just Not Sports. On today's show, we'll talk to America's premier baseball writer, Jonah Carey, about his lifelong love of the Simpsons, and we'll hear him describe what it's actually like to hit on a girl with Simpsons quotes and have it work. And we'll also hand out golden participation ribbons to all the American heroes who participated in the NBA Talent Challenge, which convinced me not to throw away my high school trumpet just yet. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me in studio today is a leading sports media strategist who has spent time with the Colorado Buffaloes, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Adam Willard. Adam, how are you?
1: I'm good, Brad. I'm coming off a glorious NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, Did you go? To I Wayne, love it. No. I just pretend um, from my living room. But no, I watching NBA All-Star Saturday night, I was laughing. And smiling and jumping up and down a lot of the night. It was great. I also have a cat uh, who looked at me strangely as all of this happened. <laughs>
2: so Adam's a cat person. Well, it's a long story. Yeah. Weird. Uh-huh. What's your cat's name?
1: Allie. I usually just call her cat.
2: You so. named your cat Allie Cat?
1: Well, I didn't. But that's a long story.
2: <laughs> a girl named your cat Allie Cat. Yeah. And then you broke up and you kept the cat. Yeah. Or did you steal the cat
1: no i didn't why would I steal a cat?
2: Well, she broke up with you that's what you, that's the move right? You steal their pets
1: Oh no, you actually know that we get into it you re, You might remember the night we drank a bottle of Jack Daniels together. That was her cat oh mm-hmm.
2: well. Okay, well, that, that got on, a Brad, you've drunk right? with
1: that yeah, well, cat. I'm glad we I tried to get into NBA All-Star, and you wanted to make me a cat I was going to say, so I was, was going to make get. my
0: pitch for Adam being the host of the 2017 NBA All-Star Challenge, but we got sidetracked. Ooh. Well, okay, we'll of, get there.
2: Speaking of which, our other co-host, who you just heard, joining in to troll Adam, he is in New York tonight, our Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, have you ever stolen a pet for love?
0: Good God, no. We've, we have we have a, with our kids, and you might hear the four-year-old again tonight, we've had a great debate on whether or not we will, are are we pet people? And living in New York, you guys can see the splendor, all that sports has given us with our two-bedroom apartment over my shoulder. Uh, we have decided against anything more than a fish and a snail for right now. A dog would be nice, but I can't do that to a dog in the city, man. So...
2: I got some hot takes on this. Um, fish stink. Like, they legitimately stink. There's oh, like a smell goldfish. to aquariums, right. to big aquariums, and uh-huh. I just feel like people really underrate that that's a gross, messy smell. That's not a clean substitute for a dog or a cat.
1: Yeah, but Garrett lives in Brooklyn. We're not talking like any kind of fancy aquarium setting. No, We're just yeah. talking a bowl. With some
0: Glorified bowl bottom. is the move right there. That's absolutely right. So.
1: This is no scarface shark tank we got. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a Gareth, goldfish in a bowl. This is Gareth, not the scene
0: p- in Lethal Weapon 2 where he shoots out the aquarium <laughs> behind the South Africans. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. And if we for, could keep all references impossible. tonight to bad action movies, it will make my day. <laughs> so,
2: Gareth, what does a Brooklyn hipster name their fish? Go.
0: You know what, Bell Halliday? Well, I named my daughter Bell Halliday, so that should say a lot about our naming conventions (laughs) and Uh, your
2: and your hipsterism.
0: Yes, (laughs) exactly. Uh, But um, you know, she named the fish some very replaceable vowel-laden girl names. That's that's her move. It's all Lena, Lalila, Lamila. I could ask her actually. Bell Halliday. Bell Halliday
2: thrilling radio yeah i know well, that's where joe com-
0: joe reed who you have yet to introduce has actually now been introduced with the editorial process anya and luna are the names of the fish so today i like it so anya,
2: anya, anya and luna. And luna. all right yeah. i can get behind that i can there get behind go. that um
1: anya and luna sounds like double right. wwe divas perfect
2: <laughs> perfect and ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for our fearless producer uh, mr joe reed joe what do you have to say for yourself this week and no, no mic. No mics still.
1: Way to set all of this up and not give yourself a mic, Joe. America,
2: keep tweeting. <laughs> hashtag get Joe a mic, and one day soon we will do it. Speaking of you, America, our listeners, our beautiful and unique sparkle ponies, in the words of Chris Cluey, the punter who provides the theme music for this show, if you listen to the show, we always tell you to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and when you do, we give you some verbal swag here on Just Not Sports. This week's comment of the week on iTunes, Bandy Payne. Hmm. Sorry for the pops on the mic there. Bandy Payne, she says, great show. Listen to it. That is a threat. <laughs> Bandy is threatening is threatening everyone in America. If you don't listen to it, she's, Bandy is going to bring the pain.
1: I've got some people in my life I'd like her to threaten outside of the podcast. Could you get a hold of her?
2: Uh, Sparkle Ponies. I want to warn everyone in advance. Adam's got some rage tonight. There's
1: a there's a glimmer in his eye. He's fired up
2: about something. Yeah. What's going on, buddy?
1: Nah, we don't need to talk about it yeah. here. I, we've already gotten to the cat thing yeah. that pissed me off a little bit. About to reach across the stable, so maybe we just skip it for now and get into the show topics.
2: All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's we'll skip man. all of
1: that. Hold on. I actually I would like to
0: recommend. Can we make Bandy Payne the official? Hired goon in the parlance of the Simpsons of Just Not Sports.
2: Hired goon? Ugh. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that the line Homer says?
0: Hired goons. Hired goons? <laughs> yes.
2: I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, we're going to have lots of Simpsons talk with Jonah Carey come up in a second. Real quick, on this show, if you're a regular listener, and we know you all are, we don't just invite people on. We Slam the hammer on them. We shame them until they come on because, as you know, if you're an unsuspecting soul who has publicly said you like something, it's your legal duty to come on Just Not Sports and talk to us about it. So, Adam, you got a hammer. Who are you going to slam it on this week?
1: Well, despite my current state, which will dissipate at some point, um, I do – the way I like to relax is something I discovered last summer.
3: Which Marijuana. is called
1: uh, the well, <laughs> no. I am from Denver, but uh, no, that is not it. Although sometimes these two things do go together. Uh, what I enjoy is the flotation or isolation tank. Perhaps you've heard of this. Uh, sounds very Brooklyn to me, Garrett. D- there's on one you've used an you've isolation it. tank. I have uh, on a, on an ongoing basis. I have I have Where? and do. There's a place in Lincoln Park. We'll give them a free plug. There's a place in Lincoln Park. Um, called uh, Space Time Tanks, hmm. um, and so and then there's another the place I went, uh, and actually I'll get to my hammers. So my hammers are Steph Curry, and Harrison Barnes. They Sam Alapoor with uh, ESPN did a piece where he followed them, um, to a place called Reboot, which is a, a hmm. flotation tank establishment and. San Francisco, which I actually had the opportunity to go to the Friday uh, before Super Bowl. Uh, I find it extremely relaxing. It really does, in a weird way, refocus your mind. So basically, you're in a foot and a half of salt water, a uh, foot and a half of water, 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt. Uh, you can't see anything, hear anything, and you just uh, float. It's a form of meditation. I'm really curious to, to learn from Steph uh, and Harrison, guys who have uh, play eighty two games a year, travel and have so many off the court obligations, um, what it does for them from a performance perspective. That's how great. long uh, are you in there for? One hour, and wow. it's weird because sometimes that hour, like the other day, I swear they forgot. I swear they forgot about me, and I was I felt like I was in there for three hours, but when I got out. It was an hour, and then there's sometimes where it seems like twenty minutes have gone by, and they come knocking. Um, and you get out, uh, either way, it's like the first time it really is not so much the experience that's trippy, but it's how you view the world when you get out, mm-hmm. like going to the grocery store afterwards was over like the noises and the colors were overwhelming the first time I did it. I've gotten more balanced now, but, um, either way, I really, um, enjoy it. And I think it's going to be one of those trends that athletes pick up on more and more. And, um, like talk to some guys about how it helps their
2: game. All right. Hey, speaking of basketball, um, breaking news on the Just Not Sports podcast, if you heard my phone buzzing, uh, Dennis Rodman just retweeted us. <laughs> I had put up something. <laughs> I put up something yesterday for President's Day that said, uh, um, we always celebrate President's Day the same way by watching Dennis Rodman and Van Damme save America in double team. <laughs> and I looked down and my phone's just buzzing like nonstop because I get notifications on retweets. Seems like Mr. Rodman appreciated the tweet. So yeah. Dennis. Dennis, come on the show. A little bonus hammer.
1: For is us. that your hammer?
2: No, no. We'll get to mine in a second. Gareth, who do you want to slam the hammer to this week?
0: I like sticking with the NBA theme this week. Uh, despite Jonah Carey as our guest, more known as a baseball writer, but coming off the All Star game, it's sort of what's every on everybody's mind. And uh, you know, the the big news breaking uh, is the uncertainty around Chris Bosh's career and. I think we all certainly wish him well yeah. as far as his health goes, but he is somebody that has been really uh, outspoken about off the court activities and has really uh, done a lot to talk about his experience learning how to code and write websites and advocating for education and coding with kids. And uh, I think it's really cool. It's very forward thinking. And, uh, you know, that's the sort of stuff that. It's not just incorporating it into his life, but then trying to push it along to the next generation. So uh, no matter what happens, whether Chris Bosh has five more all-star campaigns in him or he's done on the court, I would love to get him on the show. And Chris Bosh, come on and let's talk about coding.
2: I like that. And to your point, I got one. My hammer this week is for another athlete kind of um, who made some headlines this week for... Uh, just coping with the rigors of sports, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, MMA fighter. And Adam, uh, did you slam a hammer on her already?
1: No, this was—interesting enough, uh, this was going to be a hammer of mine. So I'm she, glad you said this. I, I think a couple things. Number one, she made a ton of headlines we're recording
2: this on Tuesday after President's Day. Um, and she made a ton of headlines with her appearance on The Ellen Show talking about the depression she felt after her loss in the recent fight. Uh, what's the uh, fighter's name? Holly, Holly Holm. Holly Holm. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a, it's a good reality check for all fans, especially the anonymous hordes on Twitter who love to like get on these guys after, when they're down. But these are people who suffer their entire lives and have very public um, you know, uh, personal brand executions, if you will, uh, when they fail. And so I think it's interesting to see someone who hosted SNL three weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, feeling suicidal um, after what we shrug off as just another Saturday night sporting event. More, more to the point though, she's got a really interesting life off the, uh, out of the octagon. If you were, out of the ring, I think I'd love to talk fast, fast seven. You know, she was in that movie, right? Um, I'd love to talk a little Entourage bit about
1: movie. I'd love to get into that. That's I cover. Yeah.
2: What's her? What was the Sondheim movie? Or not not Sondheim. What's the movie she did? The other action movie.
0: Uh, who cares? Dude? Let's see her in Sondheim. My God, could we get her in some of that? She's doing woods. Soderbergh. You know?
1: Wasn't she in a
2: Soderbergh movie?
1: Um, I, I think so, but she's doing a remake of Roadhouse. I think most importantly,
2: what is she in the Swayze role?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I still haven't been able to determine is that. She but she is she Dalton in Roadhouse? I have no idea. Rhonda,
2: come on the show. Mm-hmm. Let's talk I about knew this that together. Would be interest. I love me some Roadhouse. That's that. The double deuce.
1: The bar. She was supposed to fight um, Holly Holm at UFC 200. I think in. Joe May or June Um, but she pulled out of that because she's filming Roadhouse yeah and then you know she's one of three for the first time ever the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is going to feature three different covers with Ronda Rousey and body paint on one of them
0: yeah I thought her role in Roadhouse kind of took a hit and there were some questions around it after losing to Holly Holm. Holm so that's one of those things that you know that's where right I think to your earlier point that's where you're brand can take a hit but honestly like the personal struggle these people go through after a loss like that is you know uh, look cam newton said it last week i have no problem with it if you show me a good loser i'll show you a loser i have zero problem with him saying that like after losing a super bowl you can be as pissed as you want but that's super bowl talk we're moving forward
2: yeah i mean look and and dalton had ups and downs before he took that job with the double deuce And that worked out great. (laughs) Except for the dude whose throat he ripped out in the end
0: of that movie. Uh, I would argue that worked out great.
2: Rhonda, come on the show. Talk to us about the acting. Talk to us about Roadhouse. We are ready. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, email us, justnotsports at gmail.com, or tweet us at justnotsports. That goes for you, too, Dennis Rodman
1: Uh, it really
0: quickly, if you hold on, if you use your iTunes comment to slam a hammer, you are guaranteed next week to be the iTunes comment of the week.
2: That's a good policy. If you use iTunes, we're a newer show. We're we're learning as we go. If you use the comment section to invite someone on, we will invite them on on your behalf to talk to them and uh, and you'll be the comment of the week. All right. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, America's. Premier baseball writer talking The Simpsons. Merging two of my great joys, sports and the Simpsons, Jonah Carey coming up right now, right after the break.
1: Oh now look at my boy, it's about to start. It, my boy, with the Our
2: guest today is Jonah Carey. You may remember him from such media ventures as CBS Sports, MLB Network, Sports Illustrated, and of course, the Jonah Carey Podcast, one of our favorites. You may also have read his groin-grabbingly good books about baseball, The Extra 2%, and Up, Up, and Away. And because there are only two kinds of people on this planet, jocks and nerds, Jonah knows it is his duty to give nerds a hard time, which is presumably why Chris Hardwick has tapped him to start Nerdist Sports. If you're at all paying attention to this show, you know this intro was packed with Simpsons references because, like us, Jonah is a lover of all things Simpsons. So today we're going to put baseball talk on the back burner and only focus on America's favorite non-prehistoric cartoon family. Let me just start by, you know, spring training around the corner, who looks better, Isotopes or Capital City?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, the power of the goofball is definitely makes a big impact. There's no question about it. You know, even if Capital City's lacking in talent, they more than make up for it in morale. So, don't discount Capital City. I think they're going to be in the mix, despite a uh, last-place roster on paper.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, we... Gareth and I grew up in the same town. We were actually right by the birthplace of Kennesaw Mountain Landis, but we we are not racist, so don't hold that against us. Um, Mm,
3: Oh, that's that's I was you were.
2: <laughs> we the, the show we talk about The Simpsons all the time. The show has made an immense impact on our life. I'm just the, I just w- am curious with you about where does the line where's the line drawn for you between being a fan of the show and the show having a a, a significant personal impact on your uh, sense of humor and sensibilities?
3: It's hard for me to separate those two things because they're very much both a part of me. I assume that there are people that have probably watched the show that are casual fans, I don't know, but uh, you know my cohort, any people who I know, and people I grew up with, people I later met, uh, who like the show, end up loving the show. I feel like you've just, it's hard to be kind of a, a casual fan about it. Maybe if you're a different generation, I guess it's possible. So I'm 41, so the show launched, what is it, like Tracy Ullman episodes were in 88 or something, the first yep. episode aired in late 89. So I'm, you know, 14, 15. I mean, that's right at the sweet spot, obviously. And then the, the show got really good, what, around season three? So At that point, I'm like 17. I mean, that's, you know, that's prime. You go into college and now you're into season, what, those fours and fives and sixes. I mean, those are monsters. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it all it all kind of fit together for me and really very much a part of my sensibilities. And, you know, I know a lot of, I, I've, over the last couple of years, I've gotten to know a bunch of comedians um, who are all great. And uh, and they flat out are influenced by it for their work. I mean, they're, you know, constructing jokes and beats and all that. And it, it's in their DNA. For me, you know, I'm a writer, so I, I create content. But I'm not a comedy writer per se, so I might sprinkle in some stuff. Uh, but it's just more part of my, I don't know, part of my everyday thought process or whatever. I can tell you flat out that the way that I interact with my wife is almost entirely in Simpsons references. In fact... <laughs> That, that, first of all, that's how I charmed her in the first place. Like, we met in her college dorm, and I basically dropped some Simpsons lines and She's like, okay, you know, I want to be with you now. And that's actually true. And then um, what's happened, and we've been together for a long time, and what's happened now is uh, there's this website, Frankiac, which is amazing, and it's just all Simpsons memes, and so literally I've been traveling a lot, so we just text back and forth, and she will only text me in Simpsons memes. Like, if I'm hungry, wow. she'll just text me, where's my burrito? Or, if like, like name it. There's no situation in which she doesn't already have it sitting on her laptop just waiting to be sent to me. She is a keeper and a half. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I definitely connect heavily to the show. And, uh, you know, the person that I talk to the most in the world, the fact that she's into it as well, only soaks that fire. So,
0: so Jonah, when you met your wife, was she into the Simpsons? Because on a personal level, I've told my wife – She needs to watch more of the show to get a better understanding of me, my sense of humor, and my sensibility. Uh, She refuses and does not like the show, which is no knock against her. But does your wife, did she watch before she met you? Or was it something she picked up on after meeting you in college and you dropping some great pickup lines on her?
3: No, no, she was very into it by the time I met her. That, that's the reason that she was trying. If I just dropped Simpsons line, she would just probably be confused. No, she was very <laughs> into the show. Um, her computer, she, she was an early adopter of just every computer thing, every every little trick. She's just very tech savvy. And when I met her, uh, she, she, you know, we, we quickly hit it off, and she turned, oh God, I, I'm, I'm apologizing to her in advance because I know she's going to listen to this, and I might mess up the timing. I'm not sure if it happened right then or a little bit later, but uh, basically, she had created kind of like a sign-on for a computer. Oh, when she turned it on, uh, there would be like a you know like a voice that would speak, and so the computer comes on, and uh, the voice says, "Smithers, you're quite good at turning me on, <laughs> turning yeah. me on, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes." And and if you performed a function that the computer didn't like, and in the mid '90s there were all kinds of things like that. Like you can't do that. This macro doesn't work or whatever. Uh, the, the computer would spit back at you in this house. We obey the laws of thermodynamics. (laughs) So, uh, very, very much. From uh, the
0: teacher strike episode, which I have always thought is one of the more underrated episodes from that era. Uh, that's one I've always liked to stand up for.
3: Well, the two things that jump out at me in that episode are number one, uh, Edna's, picketing and she's holding a sign that says Hawk if you love cookies, which is fantastic. And and the other one is when uh, an unnamed character, of course, a deep ministry, jumps out of the window and says, The PTA has disbanded <laughs> jumps out the window and then uh, and then the reply is, "Well, the PTA has not disbanded and then he just jumps back in the window and straightens the sign and back down. That is that is comedy gold. Yeah.
0: It, well, it, also from that episode, uh, I was sitting in an edit room the other day and I made the joke where I rubbed my two fingers together. Uh, th- that two fingers means the taxes. That's right. Yeah, yes,
3: of course. We use that all the time. Yeah, John, I mean – Also, you brought up that
0: that there's always a quote for The Simpsons, whether your wife was into – like, hmm, it's raining again is one I always like to go to. Sure. Uh Uh, in, in some ways I felt like Brad and I were talking about like this interview would be harder than others because this is something we know so much about as opposed to something that there's a genuine curiosity where this could easily devolve into like a a Chris Farley show, uh, sort of thing. (laughs) Um, that said, like there is something about the writing from those prime years that I know that. Personally, as somebody who studied, who was a literature major in college, I had to come to terms with the fact that the Simpsons writers' seasons three through ten had a greater impact on my life than anything I've ever read. Um, yeah. How do you how do you find that affecting your actual writing, like as a writer, beyond just references, anything like that?
3: Yeah, it's there a little bit, you know. The thing is that I have a few writing references. I, I told the story more than once, but um when I was eight, my dad bought me my first Bill James abstract, and uh, number one, that taught me about critical thinking and math and all that. Bill James also happens to be a very elegant writer. I think which gets overlooked a little bit because he's the father of sabermetrics or whatever. Uh, so there was that. I was reading a guy named Michael farber who was the um, kind of the lead columnist for the Montreal Gazette. I grew up in Montreal great writer, went on to write for Sports Illustrated, has been there for now 20-odd years, and he was great, too. And then later, probably the third big pillar was, uh, before I became a full-time sports writer, I used to cover the stock market. And I worked for a paper called Investor's Business Daily. And it was mm-hmm. stock market stuff. I mean, it was, it was pretty big potato stuff. But what they taught me is an economy of words. Uh, they, there's something, if you ever work in Microsoft Word and you go to spelling and grammar just to check, there's a little thing right below that's called readability score. And the, huh. basically you want the reader... Yeah, very interesting. And and, and they were zealous about it. They said, your readability score has to be 60 or higher. And what that means is if you're 60 or higher, you're writing at a fifth or sixth grade level, which sounds terrible, but is in fact exactly what you want, because you don't want words that are excessively flowery. You don't want to overwhelm the reader with, with unneeded stuff. So my writing... I don't know how good I am, but I'll tell you that I, I'm I'm efficient and I'm crisp. I'm not wasting time. I'm not constructing these run-on sentences. I'm not giving you words you don't need. There's all that. So I think those are the bigger ones than the Simpsons per se. But, you know, I, I think what the Simpsons does is it just gives me a little bit of uh twinkle. You know, it's one of those things where I've just kind of – I've got a little bit of a mischievous cone. So if I'm writing about Kyle Schwarber, instead of saying Kyle Schwarber went two for four – I will literally say the Schwarbs in all caps. (laughs) Did Kyle Schwab ever appear on The Simpsons? No, but it's just sort of, it teaches me that it's okay to write intelligently and to challenge a reader's sensibilities, you know, to try to bring them up a level, but still have fun with it. And I think that's what The Simpsons does. And and just on my day-to-day, I'm a very logical guy and I'm always thinking, you know, pretty deeply about concepts or whatever, but I'm also silly and ridiculous. And I think that I probably would have been silly and ridiculous no matter what, but The Simpsons really taught me that you could do both. I mean, you've got that room, right? I mean, that was that writers' room. Those are all Harvard guys and Conan and those guys. Yeah. And they're writing these jokes that are simultaneously slapstick and totally preposterous, and, like and preposterous, but also smart. And, and I think that there's a there's a place for that uh, in the world. And even though I'm not a comedy writer, if I'm trying to slip stuff in, I don't worry if it's preposterous because I'm I'm confident that my readers will stay with me.
0: Yeah, right. There, there seemed to be a healthy disregard through all that writing, for you know enough of the rules to disregard them. So,
2: yeah. And first of all, Jonah, we all think you're a fabulous writer, so you don't have to worry about um, where you're on the scale. Second, when you said, "Where's my burrito?" Now that you're linking up with Nerdist Sports and, or, and creating it, they end every show with, um, enjoy your burrito. What about you? Gonna, maybe ending everyone with, where's my burrito? A little synergy there? <laughs> uh, that's a no. <laughs>
3: well, no, but it's, I mean, you're not the first person to bring that up. I do love burritos, and I was just in San Francisco, and I was literally tweeting pictures of burritos that I was eating. I feel like, I'm a Jew, and Jews are known to eat Chinese food, which I do, but I feel like burritos are kind of the next-gen thing. That's the move. Now, we're, now Jews are going to claim burritos as their own dominion. Too. We're just taking over as other ethnicities' foods. That's what's happening. You know? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Well, watch out, Burmese food. We're coming for you next. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's, I, there is synergy, I suppose, uh, but it's surely not intentional. That's something that I've, I've been saying, where's my burritos since 1992 or whatever.
2: So rather than just ask you what's your favorite episode, I'm curious if you were to start to identify your, your favorite one or two or three episodes are they purely the funniest or are they something you have a personal connection to because I always tell people my favorite episode is the one where Milhouse's parents get divorced because as a child of divorce yeah I don't think anything really captured the subtle nuances of that like like just like Kirk Van Housen trying to have a big moment and, and Homer being like that's a door and be like nothing this guy can do in this situation <laughs> is going to work for him he's been he's being left I just I'm just curious like what are some of the the most memorable episodes and and are they purely comedy for you or are you finding something else that resonates?
3: Uh, I have to tell you that it is mostly comedy because there's something about how you interact with a piece of art based on what stage you are in life. And at that stage, when I started watching The Simpsons, I had no interest in drama. I never watched classic movies. i never watched drama on TV. I only cared about just give me the funny. I need mean, funny, funny, funny. I don't want a message. It was a Seinfeld thing. No hugging, no learning. That's really what I wanted. And so I have since come to appreciate all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, I love film noir. I'll watch The Maltese Falcon or Strangers on a Train. Or, I mean, I love stuff like that. really, really, really do. But at the same time, when I'm thinking about The Simpsons specifically, it just still comes back to where I was then, just really thinking about comedy. So... From that standpoint, it becomes a, uh, a situation where I'm only focused on that. So, I mean, my favorite episode of all time is uh, when the Germans buy the power plant, which is almost nobody's ep- favorite. It's, it's a very good episode. Everybody huh. likes it. But nobody says, oh, yeah, that stands out as the one. Uh, it doesn't have a giant musical number. It certainly doesn't have that much meaning or whatever. But it's just jokes, 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 jokes. I mean, the the, the German conglomerate, they're huddling in the bar. They see Homer. They're debating whether or not they could buy the power plant. They look in their suitcase and they say, don't worry, we'll still have enough left over to buy the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that joke is funny 25 years later because the Cleveland Browns still suck. Right. I mean, it's just, it, you know, it's layers and layers and layers of comedy, and that's really what I'm going for. So I'd like to tell you that, oh, yeah, this kind of character is super connected with me, or I had this childhood trauma and I really just, no, nah, man, it's just a joke. It's all I care about and care about.
0: Yeah. Though their their Denver Broncos jokes have aged a little less poor or a little <laughs> more poorly than the Cleveland Brown jokes, but it's fantastic.
3: I mean, that that's that's funny in its own way because it's so ridiculous. Because Homer, I mean, if you literally take the thread of the episode, it implies that Homer has owned the Denver Broncos since that episode, and he has led them to I wouldn't call it a dynasty, but three Super Bowls in twenty years. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. So just think of it from that surreal perspective that, yeah, Homer is literally— Pat Bolin's not the owner. It's literally Homer, and I think it becomes funny, too. Yeah,
2: this one's for Homer. <laughs> good Lord.
0: If, exactly, as I was about to say. If only John had gotten up on stage and said, this one's for Homer, while thrusting the Lombardi
3: into the air. So. Yeah.
2: John, do you still watch the show now?
3: I don't. I haven't watched it in a few years. I mean, you know, it wasn't I didn't give it a try, but I just, like, I feel like it doesn't connect with me in the same way. Um, if there's a marriage, like, uh, now, obviously, I'd be every episode ever. But even now, you'll see I run like six episodes in a row, maybe on Monday, something like that. And so, if I'm in front of the TV, I'll sit and watch the uh, older ones. And then, you know, if a newer one comes on, I'll leave it on. I'll give it a shot. And there are, there are lines, there are beats. But it's just a lot of those classic writers are not there anymore. There's no Oakley, there's no Weinstein, there's no Schwarzweiler, Conan, obviously. So, you know, the show has changed. It, it's still a good show. It's just that when The Simpsons came out, <laughs> I mean, not only was it the best show, it would be if that show came out now, If you know, season three came out now, it would be the best show, but it would have a lot of competition because TV is great. I mean, I can name you a million shows that I'm watching that I'm completely in love with. But uh, then it was, oh, yeah, this is the best show of all time. And it's also just going up against nothing. Not, you know, like Married with Children <laughs> right. was a predecessor to the. And, and and that was the the height of comedy at that point. There was nothing subversive. There was nothing. Well, it went against like Cosby, that.
0: which it famously, sure. you know, that was a morality question that has now been pretty well settled.
3: Right. Well, you know, well, and, <laughs> so. and, you know I, I feel I feel like that's two different sides of the coin. I mean, I hear you, but it, listen, Cosby had his moments, but Cosby was like felt like you were supposed to learn and all oh, the love of family or whatever it wasn't like oh ha 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 this is so funny it's Theo Hustable right. rolling his or uh, sorry Cliff Hustable, uh making a face while he eats a big sandwich like yeah Homer makes a face when he eats a big sandwich that's the funniest thing ever I can't tell you why it's different because they're both eating a big sandwich but somehow Homer, Homer eats a, a sandwich thing for a month <laughs> right and he says so. I can't stay mad at you and he pets it and it turns purple and he hides it behind the radiator that's gold so.
2: yes <laughs> right. one of my favorite right. anecdotes from the entire show um Jonah, we know you got to get going. So we do have a regular thing on the show where we know athletes are put through the ringer for those stupid aptitude tests, like the wonder, the Wonderlic. So we created the Just Not Sports Wonderlike, which is questions just about um, what our our interview subjects like. In in your case, we thought you know, given the baseball connection, um, it might be good to sort of ask you, give you the names of some Simpsons characters, and maybe you could kind of tell us who is their MLB equivalent. Sure. Okay. Adam, do you want to do this?
4: Yes, oh. I will handle this part. I'll handle the announcerish part. part.
0: Um, worth noting, as Adam jumps in, he is from Denver and more of a South Park fan, as he's admitted. Oh, so, yeah. listen, South Park,
3: yeah. South Park is phenomenal. That's a great—I don't even bother comparing those two shows because they're just on different axes, but South Park is a great show, and the difference between the two shows, and I have no problem saying this, even though since this is my favorite, is that South Park is killing it in season 18 or whatever it is. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, that, that was the difference, and the reason I remain mostly quiet. I am such a loyal South Park fan, and it's great. I, I love most about it is the insider Colorado references, things that seem like ridiculous yeah. on the show, but yeah. they are actual Colorado things. So,
3: Casa Bonita, I will never take my children to, by the way, because the, the food is so terrible uh, that it doesn't matter if they have cliff divers. I'm not doing it. So.
4: You are correct. It is worse than Taco Bell.
3: Uh, oh, I know. Is, I know that.
4: I mean, there is no gordita crunch there. It is like, uh, it looks like uh, poop in a baby's diaper. uh,
3: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, well, there's my
4: contribution to this segment. Uh, Number one, question number one for the Just Not Sports Wonderlike is, who is the Bart Simpson of baseball?
3: Uh, Bright Harper.
4: That's exactly who I was
2: going to say perfect
3: i mean he's he's you know he's a he's a uh, clear protagonist uh he comes on very strong uh but ultimately produces and therefore i have no problem with him
4: all right yeah who is the ned flanders of baseball
3: ned yost <laughs> very good <laughs> interesting
4: i was gonna say sean casey yeah
3: Mayor. That? i mean that's Sean Casey's not bad too. I like that too. But Ned Yost is just—I don't know. I could see him talking that way, and obviously his name is Ned. It just seems perfect.
2: Yeah, and Sean Casey's got too—he's right. got too much of a sardonic sense of humor to be to be Ned. That's all I got to say. True. Oh,
3: interesting. True.
4: All right. Question number three: Who is the Mister Burns of baseball?
3: Oh, Jeffrey Loria.
2: Oh, very good. I was in, in my head. <laughs> Breath. In my head, I was going to say. i this game. Yeah, well, I, I would go back to, he'd, he'd be Kennesaw Mountain Landis if he just never died.
3: I guess that's true. I'm thinking in terms of people who are still Yeah, here. no, totally. Yeah. That's a good Kennesaw Mountain Landis, Is fair. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Number four. Who is the disco stew of baseball? Oh, that's tough.
3: Oh, uh, 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 Muninori uh, Kawasaki.
4: <laughs> really? Wow. Why? He,
3: dan- yeah, he uh, dances a lot. Uh, lots of enthusiasm it 's obviously something of a gimmick, but people are are into it and uh and don 't sweat the fact that he 's not a major character. They just say okay we're going to embrace this guy because his side thing is so fun that we 're just going with it
0: I love it. I was going to say this just reinforces to me that i don 't know enough about baseball at this point <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: i The only thing it's I can think to of to
0: me i don't know
4: enough about the Simpsons
2: The only thing there I, you go. I, the only thing I could think of, Jono here, was uh, Dusty Baker. Just he, a guy who's who's got that sort of like swagger to him, but also a little bit stuck in the past, maybe if that's a fair
0: assessment. Right. I, I mean, I'm not you going mean, with a
3: straight. I'm not going with a straight one for one comparison. I'm thinking more in terms of the spirit of the character rather exactly. than the era of the character.
0: Yeah.
4: No, that's perfect. All well,
2: right, two I more. I
4: believe you're comparing Dusty Baker more to Shaft than Disco Stew. Well. <laughs> wow. No, Nothing to say
2: to that. All right, two more, Jonah, and then we'll let you yeah, go. Yeah,
4: I figured. All right, two more. Who is the Sideshow Bob of baseball?
3: Huh. That's actually Bob. Hmm. Hmm. Sideshow Bob of baseball. Has to be somebody who's scheming. Yeah. Yeah, see, this might imply an owner as well.
0: Or GM, uh...
3: Yeah, it could be a GM. It could definitely be a GM. I'm tempted to say Jerry Reinsdorf. He's definitely a schemer. He's definitely, like, you know, patching evil plans all the time. He obviously doesn't look like such a – he'd be perfect if Jerry Reinsdorf was 6'7 and had, uh, you know, that uh, Anderson (laughs) Varegeau hair. So I'll say say Reinsdorf for the lack of – I'll say Reinsdorf if he had a baby with uh, Varegeau. Oh, I
4: love it. (laughs) I love that. All right, last one. No, last one Question number six Who is the Martin Prince Of baseball
3: Wow uh, Martin Prince Of baseball So that has to be Somebody who's Picked on a lot
2: Yeah Brainy Kind
3: of oblivious What did you say
2: I was gonna say Just brainy Like I was thinking Like brainy But always bullied Yeah for brainy
3: it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I know some smart ball players. I'm friends with some smart ball players, but I don't know if they get picked on necessarily. That's a tough
4: Brad, part. you want to give your answer?
2: I was going to just say it, it kind of got ruined this year. The best I could think of was like Theo the last few years while the Cubs were so hapless. Is this like there was that sentiment switch around Chicago with the media, the the segment of the media that was kind of like. This is not gonna work. Why is everyone buying this? Uh, but then you know, hey, it's like if if Martin Prince had grown up and become Renair Wolfcastle, you know, <laughs> like it, everything changed in a year. So I'll throw that one out.
3: Yeah, well, or he became Marty Ziff. Yeah, because already ended up making money. Well, the thing about Theo is, I mean, he's very successful. He's very good looking. Like we're, we're even before the Cubs became good, he had this resume. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'll throw in a shout out for my buddy Burke Badenhop, who's a. A veteran middle relief pitcher who, uh, I don't know if he gets bullied exactly, but he's definitely one of the brainiest guys in baseball. And whenever we uh, we go out and drink or something like that, all he talks about is Game of Thrones. He, he has no interest in talking about sports or anything. He just goes deep, 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 deep down the throne uh, rabbit hole. And, and from that uh, standpoint, definitely differs from the rest of his peers. He is certainly nerdier than just about any other baseball player
2: well you're gonna to have to flip them our number because that's all we do is talk to people about their interests on the side so that seems primed for just sports. well hey jonah um before you go i just want to say we're so excited to see all the different media stuff you're doing we're really excited to see the podcast re- return and the link up with Nerd sports just briefly can you tell us anything about um just what your thoughts are heading into that partnership and maybe any high-level plans for what you're thinking. Not specifics, but just, you know, what are you most pumped about?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, the podcast has already started. Partnership is already there. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's called the Jonah Care Podcast. Very simple. And uh, let's see, I had Chris Hardwick in the first episode. Yeah, Ben Olbermann. I had Keith Oberman for two-parter. Yep. Yeah, Overman last week for two-parter. That was great. And then today we just released a new one with Adam Caden Holland, who's a comic... Uh, was based there in Denver, and his, he just had a new show launch last night called Those Who Can't. It is a seriously, amazingly funny comedy, and I would say that even if I didn't know the guy. Uh, really, really good. He does it with uh, two dudes named Ben Roy and Andrew Over, Uh It's excellent. True TV on Thursday night, or just DVR it or whatever. And um, anyway, so that's, it's great. And the, what well, the show is really, before I joined Grantland, my show used to be very general interest. It used to be... It was definitely baseball, but also other sports and comedy and entertainment and and politics and real talk and all that. And and then Grantland became just a baseball podcast because that's what they wanted of me. I'm going back to the old format where I'm really just talking all kinds of people. So sports definitely plays a big part. Baseball plays something of a part, uh, but it's pretty diverse and it's pretty eclectic in that way. Um, Yeah, and, and I think it makes for some fun conversation, but also sometimes a deeper conversation, which Hopefully, people can appreciate and, and enjoy. So, yeah, uh, subscribe to it on iTunes. It debuted, by the way, as the number one sports podcast on iTunes.
2: Yeah, we saw that
3: number eighteen. <laughs> I think it was number eighteen in the world, right behind Mark Marin, So, I'll take that. That was good. And <laughs> uh, and then it's also on. You can get a Stitcher as well. And uh, it's good. It's a lot of fun. I think people are really, really going to dig it. Um, gosh, I've already banked a bunch of other episodes, and I, one of them discusses the Simpsons outline. Uh One of them gets into like college basketball and lanes. I've got one coming up with a former major league pitcher who's that's a really, really good conversation. I have one that has nothing to do with sports, with, with an advice columnist, basically, and she was super interesting. Uh, so, yeah, just all kinds of stuff, and uh, pretty much no matter what you like, there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be covered at some point on the podcast.
2: Well, it's awesome. I loved the two part with Oberman. One of the best podcasts I've heard in a long time. It, it just drive everyone there. And you can tell Chris Hardwick he is indirectly responsible for this show since uh, uh I was listening to an interview he did on Nerdist where he talked about um you know, the key to creative success for him was turning down things he didn't like and focusing on the stuff that he did. And a week before I had I had worked with a brand to pitch up this big partnership that he turned down and I was like Geez, I'm the guy Chris Hardwick says is keeping him from being creative, and like a month later we started this show. So it's so be it. That's great. That's yeah. awesome.
3: He's, he's a very inspiring kind of guy, and, and I'm happy to hear that.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, we, you've given us more than enough time. We'll let you go and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy spring training.
3: Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it.
2: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has been called the most progressive leader in American sports. He's been decisive in handling crises and creative in considering rule changes that challenge the league's status quo. But his greatest accomplishment by far
1: is this. All right, guys, here goes. Here's my version of Do You Want to Build a Snowman?
2: My friends, is the sound of Brooklyn Nets forward Rondé Hollis Jefferson playing the piano. And it is glorious. Rondé was one of eight players to participate in the inaugural and perhaps only (laughs) NBA Talent Challenge at All-Star Weekend. And we would be delinquent in our duties at Just Not Sports if we did not break this down. Adam, who is the most talented person in the NBA?
1: Well, who's the most talented person in 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 the NBA or on this show? You tell me, buddy. Well, since we're talking about the show, um I thought Jeremy Evans did a great job with his art. I really enjoyed Norris Cole's um piano rendition, particularly because he was able to uh to do something regional when he played his uh, New Orleans jazz track. I forget the exact song. I bet you Gareth knows. It sounds like some hipster vinyl shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really did enjoy his rendition, and so I'd give him a slight edge over Jeremy Evans and, and his artwork.
2: It's a tough call for me. I thought they were all amazing. And remember, <clears throat> on Just Not Sports, we, we cheer the athletes who try. So I mean it. Give these guys participation medals. They all went out there and did it. There's maybe one exception. One exception that I wasn't so thrilled about. We'll get to that in a second. But I mean, when you just think about the the guys they had on here, I mean, you had Jeremy Evans, you had Norris Cole, Miles Plumley, Tariq Black. You know, a couple of dudes maybe I hadn't heard of. (laughs) This was a nice showcase for some new names in the NBA, and I was super excited about it.
1: Yeah, it was I I enjoyed the idea of it and uh, the most entertaining part of the show uh were the studio analysts uh, Barkley Shack and Kenny Smith and their response to some of the quote unquote talents. Okay, uh, I got some words. I got
2: words for Kenny. I got words for Kenny right now. Cuz the, the 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 biggest point point in the show that stopped me in my tracks was when he was just like these aren't talents, these are like hobbies. This is the hobby challenge. Yeah. And I'm like, Kenny, dude, come on. Give these guys a break. Harrison Barr is playing a saxophone. It's not like he got up there and he's like, my my hobby is dunking. Or, you know, like doing something sure. stupid. I thought it was more admirable that these guys went out there clearly with very little knowledge of what they were about to do. <laughs> with like a like a a like a Ronde Hollis Jefferson's piano was kind of like they showed up and they said the other guy got sick. Would you learn how to play the, this song on the piano right now? And he did it on national TV. We have to give him credit for. That. Well,
0: what I, 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 I want to jump in kind of, that, yeah, I, I was impressed by his ability to seemingly read music, but it wasn't written as music. It was written if you looked at it as notes. It just said like <laughs> right. D G, you know.
2: It should have been written as fingers, like middle, <laughs> pinky, <laughs> totally. right, right index. Well
1: so, I, I, the 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 unfortunate thing to me was that there were um there were eight of these athletes and two of them played the piano as if there weren't there weren't any other talents
2: Norris Cole Norris Cole was a proficient piano player And just for yes. the for the Sparkle ponies listening at home I mean we had Harrison Barnes from the Warriors played the saxophone John Luer, am I pronouncing that right John Luer. Luer from the Suns was juggling and he did he did a good job um, it was the, th- it was three ball juggling. So it wasn't like he was doing three ball juggling. Either, I get was- three ball
0: juggle and I would not
1: mention it in the first I'm three ball juggling yeah. right now.
0: Yeah.
1: ooh,
0: <laughs> I- I'm only um, one ball juggling, but we can get into that later in the podcast. <laughs> Rondé
2: Hollis Jefferson from the Nets, uh, did the aforementioned Casio keyboard. Uh, Tariq black from the Lakers did the trumpet and he played, Oh, when the saints go marching in, I think I I
1: blacked out by that point, but I'll take (laughs) it.
2: I played the trumpet. I thought he was okay. Norris Cole from the Pelicans was the piano. He was very good. I did not know
0: that new Orleans song hipster vinyl shit or not. So,
1: okay. Well, that's good. That's fair. Catch up. Uh, Go to the, go down to your record store. Keep up. You got to keep your street cred.
0: I'll ask him about <laughs> it this week. There you go.
2: The, the, Adam, clearly it's Brooklyn. There's a record store in his building. It's fine.
1: <laughs> no, um,
0: the, a, I live close to a combination record store and coffee shop called Black Gold. No shit. No joke. Wow. <laughs> I Hurt. wish we could broadcast the audio version of the faces you're making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> least, least
1: surprising revelation <laughs> yeah. in history. Well, Gareth, roll up your jeans and head on down there. <laughs>
2: Um, Jeremy Evans from the Mavericks did art and sketching. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Mike Muscala from the Hawks. I would like to talk <laughs> a little <laughs> bit more about this. Yeah. Oh, and then, so and then Miles Plumley on the, on, the, on the unicycle. Uh, he, he dunked a basketball on a unicycle for, uh, for the Bucks. Let's get into Mike Muscala because this is perhaps <laughs> yeah. the most... Shall we say, polarizing of the polarizing? Uh, think
1: that- As if there's two sides of the argument. Right, right.
2: <laughs> okay, Joe, let me let, let me. Why don't we throw this? Joe, why don't we play a little bit of Mike Moscella's rap for Kenny, Charles, Shaq, and Ernie in back in the studio?
1: Call me Mike Jaws or the best kept secret. Coming from Atlanta where the Hawks stay screeching. I got three goals and I ain't talking about a hat trick. One, win the championship. Two, make a smash hit. Three, have a baby with my lady, then some grandkids. These other rappers Shaky Charles backswing. <laughs> and Adam, what's your <laughs> reaction to that? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I will. I'm trying to be positive. I don't want to always be this snarky guy on the show. Sure, give him credit for trying, but it it was he claims it was poorly produced. So um He's not wrong. The show was poorly produced. The show was the show was pretty poorly produced. I think he was saying he had tweeted to TNT that they um they took his rap out of context, uh, please. They say took out different of portions from the videos. Yeah. They put the they put the wrong beat behind it. Uh it was just there's no way edit that well. It's like prime time. It's just bad. I
0: I have to... I think you can go full snark on this one, man. Because honestly, like, that was the one where I was like, if this show is going to draw a line, that's got to be it. Like, we encourage and offer a safe space for athletes to do whatever we want. That wasn't a hobby. That was (laughs) sub-hobby. That was... It was bad. There's really bad rap music.
1: And you got to feel bad for the guy because uh, before the all-star break, he had what was arguably his best game of the season, 11 points and six rebounds against the Chicago Bulls. And there's no way that he's not sitting on a bench in the D-League by next week <laughs> after that performance.
0: <laughs> the, the, okay. The, the, Does it matter I that he's white
1: too?
2: Um. I don't see race. No, it really, <laughs> right it,
0: Adam? I mean, I think it was some cultural, white well. some
1: cultural frat influences <laughs> involved right. in his raps, you know but it was—I don't know. No, I think it was just bad. Bad I wanna, is bad. I want to ask this question.
2: Yeah, Cam Newton, you know, goes to the Super Bowl, and we just all, as a society, are like, this is not the year we're going to have a discussion—an overt discussion pregame about black quarterbacks. Because Donna Williams was in 1987. This barrier has been crossed. Now, side, sidebar, we had the discussion about black quarterbacks in the wink-wink, thinly-veiled racism of we didn't like his body language in the press conference. <laughs> right.
1: We'll move on from those
2: people. When can yeah, we Andy, stop? And he
1: happened to have a hood on as well, which, did, which didn't help.
2: I'm going to say right now, it's been 15 years since Eminem. The white rapper, dis- it's been 25 years since Vinyl Ice. The white rapper discussion is over. Rappers are rappers, and no one gets bonus points for the color of their skin.
1: I have to agree. I think two musical genres have have bled into each other. So um, I will say anyone who says I don't see race, and I know you say that jokingly, Uh, I think that's – I think you should. I think that it's a good thing to see race. It's not a good (laughs) –
2: Now we have to edit this out. I'm going to get tons of hate mail saying I hate Beyonce's new
1: video. I think it's it's good to see race and appreciate our cultural differences. Is it good to – is it appropriate to discriminate against someone on race? No. But I think recognizing the fact that Eminem broke into a traditionally black field and was successful in that, I think that's something – to be admired in the same way that uh, a black quarterback was in the Super Bowl, it's a good thing. And I think it's, I think people will say, like, oh, well, we don't need to talk about those things. Well, yes, we should live in a world where we don't have to talk about those things, but we're not there yet. So I think it's good to have those discussions. And I think there's so much, um, I don't want to say, I don't like to use the word liberal, but I think it's so, there's so many, like, well, you know, people who call out every microaggression um, that, it, people want to instead of like have a healthy debate and even sometimes if that healthy debate ends up in people spewing anger I think it's a debate worth having um and and in 2016 we need to keep having those debates
0: I I do not disagree at all about having that debate and I think you're 100% right my bigger question is and I agree with you 100% about the whole like I don't see race uh because He's like, "Oh, cool! You are without empathy. Awesome, Brad. I, we know you're joking, so I just see your head tilt. <laughs> yes, <thanks.
2: laughs> yes. Um, I'm like, oh, God. we know God. it's not. Nice. Yeah, yes, it's answer if Mike Muscala gets a break for being a white rapper on no, no, no. an NBA talent show. But this is my question: but, Are we at such
0: yeah. a place in society in this day and age where Mike Muscala can rap that badly and not be shunted to the NBA D League within ten days? That's the question to me.
2: I'm gonna have a hot take about Mike Muscala. He he did think he was." poorly produced by TNT. And I want to talk about that in a second, Gareth, from your production perspective, but so the problem was that he was going for, um, the look of like a, a lavish rap video, but it was so clearly not that. So he's, it's so clear that with most of these guys, so I'm going to merge these topics. And with most of these guys, they, they shot them like in a hotel. It was, it was so clear. They're just sitting in a conference room there's a one camera or two camera crew right there. They're going to get these guys for 10 minutes and they're going to move on. Norris Cole was the only guy that was like out anywhere. Interesting. And I think um, um I think Jeremy Evans might have been in his studio. Everyone yes. else was just kind of they caught him when they could between travel. Fine. Right. But then they walked him around the hotel trying to like make it look chic. So he's like out on the patio, but behind him is just like a parking lot and like a really low water fountain. And he's wearing like a Hawks official NBA t-shirt it just tried to look cool which just made it look that much less cool and later when he was pissed off at TNT and he put uh, some videos up of him in his hotel room like doing the rap over I was like okay that's better because I can see he's got a general sense of flow I don't think his flow was worse than you know dude playing the trumpet in this show, I just think because it was rap and because it tried to look cool and hmm. failed, that he he looked a hundred times worse than if he had just been like shooting it on a phone and being like, "Kenny, I'm going to rap about you and say something goofy."
1: I think you're right. It I think it feels it's a so. Really f- good nuanced it felt take. so forced.
2: Gareth, who is your favorite of the of the talents that you saw and why?
0: Uh, well, I'm a big art snob, so the Jeremy Evans thing. Uh, that made me the most excited, whether that's boring or not, but honestly, like that sort of stuff, look, it's basic draftsmanship. His hand is very good. Uh, you know, like I'd love to see him push it forward into some real artistic expression in the near future. Uh, His
2: LeBron, his LeBron painting was legit. That was awesome. You see that behind? Yeah.
1: But he so he, I think what sealed the deal, Gareth was that. The picture he drew of Charles Barker, Barkley, but the key image that sticks out to me was like his his um his pencils that he carried with them. He had this huge thing of pencils, that you could tell like this is not something he did it in the third grade and then picked it up back again for a television special. This is something he actively participates in, and the way he and this isn't the first time we've seen this talent. He jumped over a painting of himself during the two thousand thirteen slam dunk contest. Are we going to yeah, well, ignore well, the
0: dunk done. contest? By the way. Like, it's we sports. About that? Ah, all right. It's
2: sports. I mean, if some dudes playing the Casio keyboard and wants to throw there was it down, a I involved.
0: I've hammered for hoverboards. Uh, all right, Brad, know. you want to go ahead.
2: There's been a lot of hot takes about, oh, is the dunk contest gone too far? Has a human being jumping gone too far? No, it has not. End of discussion. Really? Yeah, it was Again, these microaggressions. And... All right, this is sports. I want to say this. Adam, I want to... I just want to let you know, I agree. Some of the guys look like they just <laughs> got something out of the closet for the first time. And in Rondé Hollis Jefferson's case, like he maybe was introduced to this is a piano. Can you <laughs> learn to play it? We have a crew for an hour. Um, <laughs> we have a crew for an hour and Joey Harrington didn't show up or whomever plays the oh, piano. Oh, I
1: forgot about that.
2: I want.
3: He does but have I, giant
1: I wanna, hands.
2: I want, I want this to grow. So I guess here's my, here's my question, because I believe this is done. that No one will do this again, because the dudes who just went out there without really knowing it, they were probably really great sports. I think all these guys should be commended. That it was awesome. That it was super entertaining. I would so much rather see this than a stupid skills challenge where I watched the best people in the world dribble around a cone.
1: <laughs> Take it back.
2: I, I, I just think they need to either go up or down a level on this thing. Up meaning, where's Damian Lillard? Where's Iman Shumpert? Where are the dudes who are like them against Jeremy Evans and Norris Cole? Is a great show. I'm gonna watch it. That's, that's the the dunk what the dunk contest was this year. The best doing the best. That's not gonna happen. It was very clear that like they they were these were all pre taped. So they heard a lot of no, right? It wasn't like I couldn't get there. My fear is that. They'll try to get guys back. I think if they can't, they just got to scale way down. Just get these unknown dudes and have them do this. Like, as low fi as it can get. Because I'm much more entertained by a guy trying to play a trumpet from five years ago and laughing at himself than I am at somebody trying to look really— or someone saying I'm too cool to, like, embarrass myself on TV.
1: I think it would probably be best done in podcast format You're on just not not sports. Sports. I have a couple of all that with all that corporate sponsorship. (laughs) Write those checks, baby.
2: Let's do it. I mean, let's let's do it. I also want to say this. If if a team doesn't if a team doesn't have a um a participant, uh they can't compete in the NBA playoffs. (laughs) 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 And then Ooh, Bud Selig,
1: make it count. (laughs) The
2: the guy who finishes last. Is banned for life from the NBA. I agree. That's stakes.
1: By Mike Muscala.
2: I think they should say if you don't have a if you don't have a player in the in the uh, talent contest, then you can't compete in the playoffs. <laughs> so you just get like <laughs> Matthew Della Vadova mm-hmm. out there playing a harmonica for playing a didgeridoo.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good. You, you have Matt Barnes randomly assaulting people on the street. because I'm gonna what he say does this. Crush. Wait a
0: minute. Gonna... Was me saying that about Matthew Vadova racist?
1: You you be the judge. I don't see color.
0: <laughs> We've come full
2: circle. I want to say this. We slam the hammer down on people to invite them to the show. Any one of the eight guys who did this competition have a lifetime pass to come on the show whenever they want. I'm just going to put this right there. They can call us. We'll interview them whenever.
1: Really? Still Mike Muscala? Mike Muscala So you can tell who's the, part of I've the story? I've reached out
2: to the Hawks. Mike Muscala, we're going to get him on the show.
1: Okay. Well, you can reach out to the Hawks D League team soon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and the with, Augusta Flyers. <laughs> so. And with that, uh, thank you to all the listeners, the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies, in the words of Chris Cluey. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at JustNotSports, where you get all the latest Dennis Rodman retweets. Email us, tips, thoughts, and topics, justnotsports at gmail.com. Let's end with some shout-outs. I'm going to shout-out Jonah Carey, our amazing guest. We had so much fun talking to him about the Simpsons and a subject that Adam knew so much about. Adam, (laughs) your insights into the Simpsons were
1: unparalleled. I was thinking of old South Park episodes the whole time.
2: (laughs) It's the other cartoon family. I also want to give a shout-out to... Chris Hardwick, who had the foresight, I think, to start up something really great with Nerdist Sports, partnering with Jonah. Uh, I also gave a little reference to Chris saying he indirectly um, uh, uh, brought upon the Just Not Sports podcast by telling me to fuck off, if you will, from a business perspective. I want to give a shout-out to Matt Myra, his co-host on the Nerdist Podcast, because a baseball guy talking, to the Simpsons, uh, talking Simpsons must be porn to Matt Myra, uh, and I can relate. And Jonah Ray. Also, have noticed because there's a new Jonah in town and uh, you got to move on, buddy. I'm sorry. Shots fired.
0: Hmm.
2: No, I'm kidding. We love Jonah Ray.
1: Gareth. No, sometimes when you say I'm just kidding, just go with it. Just I agree keep with the that. Meanness. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, got any shout outs today? Uh, why don't you let Gareth go first?
0: Uh, yeah, I had one. And then honestly, my wife was like, hey, can I type? And I looked over at her and I forgot it. So these I'll are the perils of recording a, pod- a podcast in your own home. But shout out to my wife and kids for letting me do this here the last two weeks, as I haven't been working as much. So, you know, shout out to Amy, Bell Halliday and Young Wiley for letting sound me sound like Michael record. Scholar right now.
2: Give it a beat. You, you sounded just like Mike Mascala. Uh, young
0: Wiley, yeah, shits himself Oh, to the dome. Has eight teeth, lives in my home.
2: <laughs> so Thank you, black and gold, out. <laughs> Not bad. All right, Adam, any shout-outs this week?
1: I want to say, as we uh, tape this show, uh, it is my dad's birthday. So, uh, John Edward Willard, I just wanted to— say happy birthday to you publicly. My dad, who is 6'8", about 250 pounds, was often mistaken for a professional athlete growing up, uh, speaking of st- stereotypes and, and seeing race. And uh, I've always wanted to work in sports. Uh, my dad taught me that there's another way in other than just what you do uh, just than just being a participant. And uh, Dad's inspired me in a lot of ways to pursue the career I've had and uh, to be a part of this podcast, so Dad, thank you for all the great life lessons. I uh, love you very much. Uh, as usual, I want to say, Wait, is shout he out.
0: The, is he related to your cousin Ron or your other cousin Ron?
1: Uh, he the branch of the tree would be uh, my boy Uzi actually. Oh, okay. Uh, but while we're at it, uh, shout out to Def Jeff, Little I'm Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and Gareth, as you alluded to my other cousin ron <laughs>
2: and all you mike muscala fans out there just remember the immortal words of shaquille o'neal booty, booty rappers. rappers stay, stay
1: booty together, and we stay, out right stay booty
2: Everybody stay booty right now booty
1: Jaws are the best kept secret. Coming from Atlanta where the Hawks stay screeching. I got three goals and I ain't talking about a hat trick. One, win the championship. Two, make a smash it. Three, have a baby with my lady, then some grandkids. These other rappers shaky Charles backswing. Trying to find the recipe, I call him plankton. The flow so appealing, best rapper in the league. Aw, man, what a feeling. Showing y'all I can spit. What up, Shaq, Charles, Ernie, Kenny, the Jet, Smith. Now, if anyone is still listening, this is just a little test that we're rolling out there. You, I will give a Just Not Sports t-shirt signed by the Just Not Sports athlete of your choice. If I receive <laughs> <You're sorry. laughs> a text at 920-883-5567. This means that you are cleaning the house. You let the podcast roll to the end. Shoot me a text. (laughs) And
2: creepy.